Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ podcast. To stay up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved, visit southplains.org. I pray that this message reveals God's truth and love to you today. Let's dive in. Well, as somebody said to me early this morning, uh, is it already May? My goodness, how fast time seems. We're so busy. If there's one word that describes life today, it is, it is busy. Life jam-packed with activities and things happening. I love the cartoon that pictures a woman in the middle of her house. The house is just in shambles. There is food spilled on the table, children all over the place. They're messy. They haven't you know, had their hair combed. The mother's hair is just sticking out you know, from her head, obviously, obviously need, in need of attention. When the husband walks in the door... And his eyes bug out, and his wife says to him, every day you ask me, so what do you do all day long? Today, I didn't do it. Here it is. (laughs) I think it's a big challenge to claim to be followers of Jesus and to align our life with our priorities. It's so easy for us to focus on the urgent, the immediate needs, that we don't have time for the things that are eternally important, eternally significant. How do we find time for for reading Scripture? How do we find time for prayer? How do we find time for, for spiritual interaction? How do we find time for Jesus? The story this morning out of Luke chapter 10 begins in verse 38, if you want to follow along. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset by many things, but few things are needed. In fact, just one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Story probably very familiar. All of us can identify with it because uh, they both faced the same set of circumstances. Martha was a good woman, and she was about doing good things, but Jesus praised Mary because she chose the better thing. She had her priorities aligned. I want us just to think a little bit this morning about four of the choices I think that might benefit us today that we we find in this story. And the first one is the fact that they welcomed Jesus into their house. It seems that this was a popular place for Jesus and his disciples to be. Uh, Mary and Martha obviously lived there. We think their brother Lazarus probably lived there as well. It was a family of some means, a uh, similar story in John chapter 12 talks about Mary 
pouring out a jar of perfume on Jesus, which was worth a year's wages, which we guess is probably their, their emergency fund, a year's worth of, of savings. And though Martha was the oldest, or at least John chapter 11 suggests that she was in charge, it was Mary who joined in welcoming Jesus into the house by paying attention to Jesus, by being present in his presence. You'll never find Jesus forcing himself on someone. When somebody rejected him, he simply quietly went to another area. But Jesus always seems to go to the homes where he is invited in, even even if they're hostile. And he still promises to enter in today wherever he is invited. You know, the verse that we often quote uh, suggesting he's t- it's talking about unbelievers out of Revelation 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone answers, I'll come in and sup with him. It was not written to unbelievers. It was written to believers. It was written to believers. Which suggests that even though we believe in Jesus... We need to continue to open our home, our life to him. And note that Jesus always knocks on the door. He doesn't hammer it down. So we need to make sure that Jesus Christ is a welcome guest in our homes. Uh, One of the first things, we we have a lot of kids. I'm grateful for that. One of the things I sure want parents and grandparents to catch on to is that we that we don't leave the impression with our children and grandchildren that Jesus uh, is for the church building. Invite him home with you. Let your family feel his presence every day. And here are some ideas. Uh, one, maybe by removing things that would discourage the presence of Jesus. If you saw Jesus walking up to your front door, what are some of the things you would do? I don't know. You probably would turn off the TV. You probably would put the phone down. Uh, you, you, you probably would put the video games away. Maybe there are some things that you might uh, flush. I don't know. Maybe you'd change the tone of your voice. Make Jesus welcome by, by being grateful to him. Uh, It is hard if you don't eat at home because you know, you're eating in the car, you're eating on the way. But I think it's still very important to have a family prayer to give thanks before you eat. You say, Jim, is that in the Bible? That's not in the Bible. But I'll tell you what is, is get being thankful and giving, giving thanks to God, being grateful. And, and, and whether it's being grateful for the things that he's promised to bring, which is, which is our daily sustenance, whatever it is, showing gratitude, welcoming God's presence whether it's at your dinner table or in your car, wherever it is that you're eating, is a reminder, not only to you, but also to your children and to the rest of your family. Maybe, maybe it's having a card on the table with a scripture written on it that your family reads together before a meal, or maybe at meal time. And if you do that, it's... Just the card, just with scripture. And if you do that each meal time for, for a month, you're, you're hiding God's word in your heart and in their heart. And I think it's a welcoming thing that when Jesus shows up, you know a few things about some things he's interested in and what he said. Reading a Bible story before you put the kids to bed. You know, most biblical learning shouldn't take place here. Most biblical learning should take place at home. 
in small, short segments. If you have a, if you have a little kid, you know, five minutes reading, a, a, and there's some good Bible story books that have pictures, and the adults like those too, you know, and there are others for, for older ones, and you got fifth graders who are bringing their Bibles home today, let them read it to you. It's just adults if you're in a home of empty nesters, so to speak. It's not a time to put the Bible away. Get the Bible and read, read it together. Have some time to do that. Take advantage of songs that uh, have Christian values. Maybe they're songs that praise God outright. Maybe they're just good, good songs that, that carry truths that are aligned with God. Display, when your kids bring stuff home from, from their Bible class, put it on the refrigerator. Put it on the dining room table. Don't put it in the trash can right away. It indicates that what they're doing is important and there's something to be held on to and there's something to go over again. Maybe invite other Christians into your home. Take initiative. Maybe if you have, if you have uh, children who are in the student ministries, maybe invite the student ministers over to your house and, and share some time uh, together. Maybe it's a missionary. Maybe it's an elder. Maybe it's a, a small group leader, something like that. Create some memories that impress upon your family that the Spirit of the Lord is in this place, not just in the church building. Bring the Lord into casual conversation. Remember the, the, the instructions from Deuteronomy chapter 6 where the Lord said these commands are to be upon your hearts and so that you talk to them when you stand up and when you lie down and when you walk together. And maybe even decorate with some things. I don't know that you have to paint scripture on your walls, but there are things that, that carry truth, that represent truth. When our kids were little, we... I remember buying a plaque and putting it on the wall where we ate while the kids were, were growing up. It was ugly. Your wife won't like it. It was painted plaster Paris. Um, and most of it was brown. And I think about it, and I said, that thing is the ugliest thing. But here's what it said. It said, Jesus is the head of this house. The unseen guest of every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. I was thinking back about that this week, and here's what I realized. My kids, and I didn't ask them because I figured I was going to be embarrassed, but uh, my kids, I, I doubt they, they don't even remember that ugly thing. I think it was put there for me. Something that reminds us. Something that, that impresses upon our fact that the Lord's presence is there. Which, of course, should cause us to live out lives that reflect the fruit of His Spirit, which would certainly be welcoming to Jesus. Our children, grandchildren, observe our habits. They listen to our language. They watch how you spend your time. We are 90% of influence upon them. Mary and Martha were so comfortable with Jesus being in their home that in John chapter 11, they felt very comfortable calling upon Jesus in a time of need because they had had him around at ordinary times, you see. Jesus taught us to do this, Matthew 6, We sang it earlier, seek first the kingdom of God. 
Above all else, seek the kingdom of God. Now, here's the second thing. Mary sensed the significance of the moment, and, and she sees the day. There, there, there's 60 seconds in every minute. That's true, but not every minute carries the same value as others. If you don't believe that, try buying some advertising team on, uh, time on a network TV. Uh, 30 seconds of advertising time on network TV is about $105,000. 30 seconds. That's pretty expensive. Try buying it during the Super Bowl. It's $6.5 million. 30 seconds, six and a half million. There are special moments that surface in life that are extremely valuable because, well, it's because they can't be repeated or because of the impact it has on many people or because it changes the course of your life. Maybe it creates a lasting memory. But if you're alert, you can perceive those things and seize the opportunities and make the most of it. I love the scene in the old movie, Dead Poet Society. Robin Williams was the lead character in there. And he has his students out in the hallway looking, I probably like it because it reminds me of my old high school, out in the hallway of the high school looking in the, in the trophy uh, um, cabinet there. But there was also old photographs. And he was showing them these photographs of their ancestors, of people who have gone before them, who are now dead and gone, buried in the graveyard. And he says, these people are trying to say something to you. Lean in and listen to them. Because the time the photo was taken, they were your age. They were, they were teenage. They were full of hormones. They had these great things and ideas. And listen to them because they're telling you to seize the moment, seize the day. And that's what Paul told the early followers of Jesus in Ephesus to do. Be very careful how you live. Make the most of every opportunity. Seize the moment. I think Mary recognized that this was a very special time when Jesus showed up at their house, never to be duplicated again. And so she seized the moment, soaking up that moment by sitting at the feet of Jesus like a student at the feet of their teacher, listening. And this is the day the Lord has made. We need to be perceptive about special moments. Some of them are predictable. I mean, they're when the camera is poised and they're ready. It's, it's the first day of school and you're holding the, you're holding the sign about to go off to school. They're, they're, the birthday cake is, is there. Icing's all over your kid's face. Uh, it's... Um, it's, it's their first birthday when they're, you know, where they can't hardly even sit up by themselves. It's their first bicycle, and you know they're going to fall and scratch themselves. It's the first date, and they're embarrassed. It's graduation. Some of those moments, though, you can create, like Mary and Martha. You create them by inviting Jesus into your home. You give a party. You, you give a gift. You have a special surprise. Christmas time perhaps, is, is that kind of a time. Focus on the important. We have, we have a, uh, a picture, a photograph in our family, a photograph of four generations. Uh, it's, uh, it was taken years and years ago. I'm so glad we got it. It pictures Lisa's grandmother, her mother, Lisa and, and, and Sarah, four generations. One of those things, you have a moment to get it. If you don't get it, the moment's gone. So glad we seized the moment. And then there are those important moments that just kind of sneak up on you. They're spontaneous. And to take advantage of them, 
You have to be perceptive. And if you're not alert, you'll miss them. If you don't spend much time with your family, you'll miss them. The kind of perception that's listening to the conversations and and says, did you hear what she said? Did you see the expression on their face? It's being involved in the conversation and recognizing a teachable moment when, when you're listening to the kids and they tell a story about their friend who was wrong and you make the point, that's true. Friends aren't always right. And Mary did that. And she sat at the feet of Jesus while he was there. The third thing is that Mary valued relationships more than the activity. Martha, now Martha was busy doing some important things. We, we, what, what she was doing, we really don't know. It really doesn't lay out what, she's, what she was done. We can, we can speculate, we can imagine. Here's what we do know, it was serving. It wasn't something bad, it wasn't selfish. It was, it was serving, thinking about other people's, and, and she was serving. I, I don't know, was it cooking a meal, setting a table? I don't know. A lot of times we rip on Martha being too concerned about these things, these minor details, and missing out on the most important event. In a sense, that's right. But I've also been a guest before, and I appreciate, I'm grateful for the Marthas among us. And I think it calls us to see that there needs to be a balance in life. Hospitality, hospitality isn't something that just happens. It's something that takes a lot of effort. And Martha, Martha was a great hostess. I think Fred Craddock had a good insight. Here's what he said. He said, if we censor Martha too harshly, she might abandon serving, serving altogether. And if we commend Mary too profusely, she may sit there forever. There's a time to go and do. There is a time to go and do. And there's a time to listen and reflect, knowing which of them is a matter of spiritual discernment. That's right. And Mary in this story was discerning, and she valued the relationship more than the activity. She may have been involved, I don't know, she probably was involved in some of the advanced preparations of getting things ready, but when Jesus was there, she quit worrying about the physical and began to pay attention to the spiritual, the presence of Jesus there. And it ought to teach us that our relationship with Jesus is more important than serving Jesus. Martha, Jesus said, what you're doing is not good. There is something better than serving me, and that's getting to know me better. Mary has chosen that better part, and I won't take it away from her. There is a spiritual disease called Marthaplexy, which is attempting to gain God's approval by doing things for Him. Israel struggled with Marthaplexy all through the Old Testament, trying to do things for God to win His approval, when what God really wanted all along was to have fellowship with them. We need to get to know Jesus first before the doing things for Him. How do you find time in your busy life for reading Scripture and prayer? By making it a first thing. By making it a first thing. 
Somebody defined busy as being under the yoke of, of Satan. Because if all you do is activity, then maybe, maybe that's true. You're, you're under the yoke of, of Satan. And it's time to learn from the yoke of Jesus. The relationship with family matters more than physical surroundings. Benjamin West was a noted painter who was left to babysit his baby sister while, her mother, while his mother was gone. While his mother was gone, he began to draw a picture of his sister. And he got ink everywhere. And when his mother walked in and saw the mess, she also saw the picture. And her first reaction was, Benjamin, you've painted a picture of Sally. And she kissed him. And it's his testimony that that kiss made him an artist. His mother didn't allow the physical to become more important than the relationship. She knew the house was a place to be lived in, not a show place. <laughs> in one of her books, Irma Bombeck talked about her husband who wondered while the kids were growing up if the backyard grass would ever come back. And then she said when the kids were grown and gone and the grass looked so nice, he asked if the children were ever coming back. Are you aware of Proverbs 14.4? Here's what it says. Without oxen, a stable stays clean. You ever thought about that? Where there aren't any oxen, the stable is clean. That's true. There's nothing happening. Our house will never be as neat, perhaps, as you would like. But your family is more important than a clean stable. We can get all hung up on clean carpets and manicured lawns and perfect homes, but they're not nearly as important as the loving relationships to be nurtured within those places. Somehow Mary sensed with all of the distractions and the physical needs, the most important thing to her was her relationship with Jesus. And she kept her values in spite of her sister's criticism. In the story, Martha got to mumbling about, well, because she had to do all the work. You can just hear her. I'd like to sit at Jesus' feet too. But somebody's got to be concerned about the meal. Maybe if she'd help a little bit, we'd both learn something. But, but she's out there always going off when I need her the most. I'm convinced Mary knew. Here's the, here's, the, here's the behind scenes. I'm convinced Mary knew Martha was upset. She heard the pots and pans in the kitchen. She, she could read the body language as, as Martha walked by the open door. She knew the meaning behind all the muttering under the breath. And then instead of motioning for Mary to come inside for just a minute, in her ex exasperation, she blurts out to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. If you step back and look at this, you begin to realize Martha's trying to hurt Mary. Mar Martha's trying to hurt Mary and hurt her where it would hurt the worst by making her look bad in front of Jesus. Now, Martha's hoping to get a little sympathy 
Oh, we're sorry, Martha, letting you do all the dirty work. We're sitting here like loafers. We'll get up and help. I think, but, but I think the other's true. And here's the fact. Mary didn't buckle under the criticism of her sister. She stays focused on Jesus. And if you give attention to Jesus, you're likely to get some criticism from people close to you. But be wise, be courageous, and do what's right in spite of the, circum- uh, spite of the criticism. Jesus commended Mary. Martha, you're worried and upset, but only one thing's needed. Not the bread you're cooking, but the bread of life. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, you can, we can, we should help the worried person find time for what's important. How do you do that? Well, one husband noticed it happening, and he said to his wife, you shouldn't be doing the dishes after fixing that big meal. And as she handed him the dish towel, he said, you just wait till tomorrow. (laughs) That's not a lot of help. We can help out. We should be servants. I'm not suggesting that we all quit serving. That's not at all the idea. But you whose children are grown and gone and you feel like a failure, maybe your priorities, I don't know, maybe, maybe they were out of line when, you, when they were growing up. Maybe you were too much like Martha and not enough like Mary. Or maybe you weren't even living for Jesus back then. No one's perfect. But you certainly can invite Jesus to live in your home today. You can't go back for a new beginning, somebody said, but you certainly can start now for a new ending. And here's the challenge I would encourage to all of us is to sit at the feet of Jesus. Take that time and sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him, learn from him, worship him, make him a priority in your life, and your priorities will begin to align up. And he will make things new. And you may begin to notice an influence that you didn't have before. So why not seize the day? Your next step, I don't know what it might be. Maybe it's getting connected to a church family. If you're not, we'd love for you to be a part of South Plains. Maybe your next step is to to take that opportunity to confess Him as Lord and repent of the way you've been living and be baptized into Christ and begin to follow Him more closely. But only one thing's needed in the end, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he asks you, and he's ready to welcome you. Brian and and Bob will be down here with me. James German will be in the prayer room. Michael Albright's up in the balcony. We'd love to visit with you and pray with you if we can help and assist you as we stand together and sing this song. Thanks for listening. Again, I want to encourage you to visit southplains.org where you can find all sorts of information, including how to contact us and how to request prayer. Thank you for joining us.